is loaded and one out. Marcos oh my god. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slash. Hey everybody, what is going on? Welcome into Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast and I'm your host Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And today I'm rolling solo. It's been a long time since I've done a solo podcast, but we reached out to Twitter. We asked about players that you're in on, out on, or just overall curious about. And we got so many names that got to pump out some of these uh, solo pods so we can make sure we touch on all of them. Man, we had like over 40 names. So I grabbed 10, sorted of them by ADP, and I realized all but one is inside the top 100 today. Wasn't by design. And it makes sense given the fact that these are players that you're just going to build your team around, that you're going to be the foundational pieces, so to speak. So we have players in the first round all the way down to about pick 100. And then one guy going outside the top 150, he's a little more interesting. And I'm going to go in order in terms of uh, ADP. Again, this is more of like a part one. We're recording part two soon, and I have an idea for part three. So I'm going to try to do these in, in a three-part series, and it's essentially are we in and are we out. I'm going to discuss the player a little bit, give you my thoughts on them, and then tell you if I'm in or out on their ADP. A quick reminder that the Bases Loaded podcast is part of the Rotoballer Radio Network. And with the Bases Loaded podcast continuing as part of the Rotoballer Radio Network, since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball fan- fanatics their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2021 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Bases Loaded Pod listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's Draft Kit by using the discount code Bases Loaded. That's Bases Loaded, all one word. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2021 rankings and projections are available as part of the Rotoballer Draft Kit, along with printable cheat sheets, our top draft sleepers, and more than 300 2021 player outlooks and tons of in season tools. All of this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with the discount code BASESLOADED. Just go to rotoballer.com slash BASESLOADED and get your draft kit today. The first player, according to ADP here that we have, is Juan Soto. Soto is going with an ADP of 3.78. He's the third outfielder off the board. That's just, I mean, it's three outfielders essentially going one, two, and three right now. What do you have to say about Soto? He is a top-tier player. He deserves to be there. He's not in my top three but he's in my top five. So I'm nitpicking. I mean, obvious power. He gives you some stolen bases. It's funny because people often cite the sprint speed as being something that's problematic, but you don't have to be the fastest player on the field. Stolen bases is a very much a skill and he is very efficient on the base paths. So those 12 to 15 stolen bases, as long as they continue to run in Washington, they should be coming. But the big, a big selling point to him as well is the improvement around him in terms of the lineup. You add Kyle Schwarber, you add Josh Bell. You you just know it's it's going to add to his potential in terms of a floor. Like I mean, in terms of a ceiling with what's already an elite floor. He hit for 351 last year, and that was with a BABIP of 363. Now, he is a really good hitter, so the BABIP won't be terribly low by any means. But 351 batting average over a full season shouldn't be, uh, isn't going to happen. However, he has hit for at least 280 every year. And the reason why I'm not sold on him being over a 300 hitter, at least right away, is because we're talking about a guy who just hit for 51.6% of ground balls. Now, he might not be the slowest guy on the field, but he's not fast enough to 
play up to be able to sustain such a high batting average with a 51.6% ground ball rate. At least I don't believe so. And in 2018, he had a very similar ground ball rate. We're talking 53.7%. So it was actually a little higher. And he still managed to hit 292 with such a high ground ball rate. So to say he can't hit 300 with it, it's it's just tough to do. It's just not likely. You don't see a lot of players without an elite speed tool hitting that many ground balls and being able to hit for such a high average. And we speak to the BABIP. The BABIP was only six, uh, 363, which doesn't sound high for a hitter of his caliber, but considering his track record of 312 and 338, that batting average of 351 just is hard for me to buy into. And I, again, 350 hitter over a full season is ridiculously hard to buy into. But I hear, I know there's people that are very confident in the batting average, and I think he's a high floor. I think 280 is the floor, which is fantastic. But I don't see the 300, like the three, sorry, like the 330 I've heard floated around 315 even. That's tough for me to buy into with bat, with incoming bat regression, with, with the ground ball issues, because again, with such a high ground ball rate, he hit two, 292 with something very similar. So if he doesn't uh, improve that, I just have a hard time buying into the, the 315 batting average. But he's an elite hitter. Will he improve it? Probably. I mean, to, I'm not going to doubt Juan Soto. I'm just not. So, I mean, again, these are I'm nitpicking. I'm being very, very critical because I'm nitpicking because he's going in the top three to four picks. And you, you can't – I mean, it's just hard. You, you have to find little reasons to differentiate these players. And for me – just that is it. It's the ground ball rate. It's a concern. The BABIP is going to regress a little bit, but that are these are very minimal issues. The guy hits for a ton of power. He he'll get you stolen bases. He's going to give you that floor. He is essentially without the stolen base ceiling. He is a Mike Trout as he uh, gets older. He is kind of building into that type of player where you know you're getting that four category production with a fifth category that's not a zero. That is huge. However, my big thing about him and I've talked about it before is I, Soto is going ahead of Mike Trout, and I'm personally having a hard time uh, doing that myself. That's just not something I'm comfortable doing, and I don't know if it's just because I'm biased, but I know Trout didn't steal a lot last year. I think a lot of it has to do with the team just calling it quits, telling him not to run personally. Like, that team had nothing to play for. Why risk Mike Trout on the bases? But I do I, I do understand Soto over Trout. They're back-to-back in my ranks, just to give you an idea. Like, I, I totally get it. I'm not opposed to it. I am nitpicking. I am taking track record for perceived upside. And although Mike Trout has a very similar, if not higher ceiling as well, because he's shown it, to suddenly say he doesn't have the same ceiling as Soto, just and he's only 29 years old, so I, I can't say the ceilings aren't the same in my opinion. They're very similar players for fantasy as far as I see them. With that said, that's a whole tangent on Soto. He's a very safe, solid pick, very worthy of a top three pick. I just don't take him there personally. So at 3.78, He's falling, like I said, third or fourth um, in most occasions. Trey Turner, he's the next guy that you sent to us. And again, oh, I should have mentioned this before. We are looking at ADP since January 1st on NFBC. Once we get Yahoo ranks and ADP out and ESPN and all that, we will do some shows around those ADPs to give you an idea of like differences and maybe uh, some perceived values per those ADPs and all that. But right now we're working with what we got. That's NFBC. And Trey Turner is going at 7.24, the second shortstop off the board. That's obviously behind Fernando Tatis Jr. I personally actually rank Trey Turner ahead of Tatis Jr. So obviously I am in. Oh, and I should, I should mention, I'm in on Soto at the price. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't take Trout over him 10 out of 10 times. I would probably honestly split the difference in most drafts because I think they're that similar. So 
I'm going to go back and say I'm in on Soto at the price. And obviously, <laughs> without having to say much more about Trey Turner, which I'll speak a little bit on him, I'm very much in on his price as well. And Trey Turner, he's become a consistent first-round target. And it's a lot of it's due to the unique stolen base potential. But the difference between him and a lot of other speed-first players is that he br- brings such a high floor because you know he'll st- he can still 30-35 easily with a ceiling of 50. But then he also gives you 20-plus home runs. And he gives you 270 or so batting average, maybe better. The runs are going to be probably close to 100, if not more. And he'll give you like, you know, 80 RBI, 60 RBI, probably depending on how that team fills out, because he's going to hit the top of the order probably first. But overall, you're getting four, four and a half categories. But the four categories you're getting runs and stolen bases and batting average, like those are not easy to come by. His skill set is very, very solid, safe. And yes, he can deal with some injuries here and there, but some of them have been fluky, like he broke his pinky on a bunt attempt, stuff like that. But even with doing that, he still provides you such a solid foundation and skill set early on that he's worth taking. And in 2020, take it for what it's worth, but he showed that the power could be coming. He set career best marks in barrel rate at 9.5%, sweet spot percentage at 34.2%. So if he continues to improve or even sustain that growth in quality of contact, the power will probably cert- like will all but certainly follow is what I'm thinking. So the ceiling is high, but it might not be like as like it might be higher than we think in terms of the power because he's showing a growth in quality of contact but again small sample we have to see if that growth or if that if that growth is continued sustained or is improved upon i'm re- i'm very much in on turner this year next guy up on this list freddie freeman you're talking about floor meets ceiling this guy has very little gap between the two and he is going at 12 overall, 12.09, and he's the number one first baseman. And people often say they want Bellinger first, but but I'm very much in on Freeman over Bellinger. That's how I rank it as well. He, the guy is just such a stud, man. Yes, you're not getting stolen bases with him early on, but you can pair him with somebody who's going to get you stolen bases in the second round or even the third round, and you set yourself up with such an amazing foundation on offense. There's really not much to say here. I mean, we're talking career best marks in 2020 and again 60 game sample so the career best marks i I, i'm just trying to emphasize how good he was and you we all know how great he is so you're talking career best marks in walk rate k rate batting average expected batting average obp slugging x slugging woba x woba x woba con wrc plus average exit velocity barrel rate sweet spot percentage hard hit rate I, I, i i mean i'm just rambling him off because essentially he was on another level and this is while returning from covid which we've seen multiple players, including another one on this list today, return from COVID and have completely opposite results. So it makes it all that much more impressive. He's on a team that continues to improve around him. He's going to hit in the middle of an order that should sustain him probably 200 combined runs in RBI. He's going to hit 300, and he's going to hit 30-plus bombs doing so. All in on Freddie Freeman. Zero reason to doubt him. And yes, I'm very much in on this price, which is very, very boring because I have yet to be out on any of these guys. But... As we go, there there will be a couple names here. I promise you that I'm not 100% sold on. So it won't be so boring, I promise. But that's not the case here with the next guy up in Alzi Albies. An ADP of 33.76. He is the second second baseman off the board. And I actually personally rank him above DJ Mayhew in Roto Leagues. And he's going behind him. And I think a lot of that for DJ is his multi-positional eligibility in high four. But Alzi Albies... I don't understand. Like we're getting a little, it's actually similar pricing to last year, a little bit of a discount. Cause I know he crept into like the early to mid second round picks last year. We might see a similar inflation due to the stolen bases that he offers, but Ozzy Albies a little bit about 2020 is that he struggled to start the year. 
And this was largely due to dealing with an injury that ultimately landed him on the IL. Prior to the injury, Albies posted just one home run with a triple slash of 159, 196, 273, a.k.a. trash. We get it. He was borderline droppable. The K rate was 28.3%. The average exit velocity was just 85 miles per hour. This was prior to the injury for Albies. And not to mention, how did all that perform? A WRC plus of just 21. But he came back from the IL. And not only did he come back from the IL, obviously, but he came back and showed what he's capable of, hitting for a triple slash of 338 batting average, 372 OBP, and 581 slugging. The dude just crushed the ball. Albies came back and stole three bases. His average exit velocity, although still not high, did climb 2.7 miles per hour. That power, that's 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 exactly what you want to see because you know he's not a big power guy, but you see any type of change in exit, uh, average exit velocity prior to and then post-injury, you got to suggest just the health came back. And he also did hit five home runs over the second half, or sorry, since he returned. And then the WRC plus was 152 after the IL. So it was a tale of two seasons for this guy. And the only knock on him is that there is a chance he at least starts the year batting in the bottom half of the lineup because when he returned, he did just that. He batted like ninth, which again, batting ninth in front of Acuna, in front of Swanson, it might just work for him. He struggled batting the top of the lineup, but was that because of he was being at, he was batting at the top of the lineup or was that because he was injured? Swanson has earned every bit of remaining atop that lineup. So it'll be interesting to see, and we're going to have to follow this, if Albies starts at the bottom of the lineup versus the top of the lineup. If he starts at the bottom of the lineup, that hinders his plate appearances. It hinders his overall production because obviously less at-bats for a guy like Albies who kind of is a compiler is not something you want. But overall, I just love the skill set. And I think there's such a solid, again, the solid floor thing comes up. These are for early. There's a reason why these are top three-round pick guys because this – the floor is there with a little bit of a ceiling. Obviously, Albies doesn't have a huge ceiling, but I do think he's just so solid, so safe. And second base is such a crapshoot this year that I like getting him early round in early rounds because it secures a little bit of stolen bases, a little bit of batting average, and arguably the worst position in the league in terms of fantasy. So I like Aussie Albies a lot. I'm in on this price, obviously. I actually like him ahead of this ADP. The first guy I am personally torn on as well. Like, you dropped this name. Again, you, the listener, because we reached out to you on Twitter and you gave us these names. Rafael Devers, I, I don't really, I, I'm okay with the price. I'll say that I'm okay. It's a cop-out answer, but I get it. I'm good with it because there's this tier of third baseman, and I'll talk about it here because, you know what, I'll just lump them together. Rafael Devers and, and Anthony Rendon, they're going back-to-back in drafts. 42.22 ADP for Devers, 42.80 for Rendon. Both of these names were on this list, and both of them, I'm actually more in on Rendon than Devers, and here's why. Devers entering 2020 just showed this willingness to chase uh, to chase pitches out of the zone along with doing so. Yes, he did gain like 10% in his O in his sorry, in his O contact. And that was like, and again, 2019 was kind of his breakout year. He came in in better shape. He was good to go. And, and then there's reports. I was talking talk to a few people. Devers came back uh, in 2021 and 2020 kind of out of shape again. And I'm wondering, does this speak to what we should expect? Is he always going to be somebody who battles with weight issues? Is being out of shape going to be kind of a normal thing for him? Because sure, he came in shape one year. It doesn't mean he suddenly fixed his habits. It doesn't mean he suddenly is going to be in shape all the time. And that showed coming into 2020 if he came in out of shape. So I have a little bit of question in there in terms of in terms of game shape. But that cha- the willingness to chase really concerns me. And then he doubled down. He increased his O swing slightly, 1.8 uh, points, but 
it was over 40 it was 42.3 percent in 2020 that is like 10 percent above league average roughly but again that O contact i mentioned being kind of a concern like yeah he was able to do it in 2019 but the track record didn't suggest that was something he ever did before it regressed back to what he showed prior to 2019 we're talking a 6.9 point drop to 65 percent in his O contact rate still a good one just not what we need it to be if he's gonna be swinging that much out of the zone and as of right now 2019 seems to be the outlier he also had a career worst 16.1 swinging strike uh swinging strike rate in 2020 and it didn't help because the whiff rate followed with a 32.8 percent whiff rate that placed him in the 18th percentile in terms of whiff rate to give you an idea the k the k rate suffered 27 percent with all that said though with all that said all my like little issues with devers he still hit the ball crazy hard and finished 2020 strong, hitting 298 with seven home runs and a WRC plus of 137 over his final 30 games. The strikeouts remained an issue during that time, but we have seen what he is capable of. And had we had more than 60 games, his final line was probably going to be like a, a closer to 2019. But there is a chance because of the juice ball, because of other factors that 2019 might have been the career year. But I still think he's a very solid player, but he offers more upside than Rendon. Going back to Devers versus Rendon, there is a level of upside here that Devers offers that I don't think Rendon does. But it's that safety I like in Rendon's profile. He just continues to be so good that I prefer Rendon over Devers because of that. Because And people are like, well, maybe there's stolen bases there. I don't think Devers has a stolen base since the first half of 2019. And if I look this up real quick... I'm almost positive he didn't even attempt a stolen base slash. So he is not that five category producer, and there's no real five category upside. If I, yeah, he did not even uh, attempt a stolen base last year. And the year before, he stole eight. He had eight. He was caught stealing eight times. So he, 50% success rate isn't exactly something to write home about. And it's not something that's going to allow him to, they're not going to allow him to run into outs. Overall, Devers is a very solid player with, with a little bit more upside, but the floor is lower. And it's a matter of preference. Do you want to take a shot on the upside? Or do you want Rendon who offers the higher floor? He is Rendon is the definition of safe and solid. You can pretty much write his production in pen, so to speak, because you know you're getting it. He's going to continue to bat behind Mike Trout and David Fletcher. Otani should stay behind him. So you know he's going to get a, a 200 combined runs in RBI, bat right around 300, and give you about roughly 30 home runs. It's not sexy. It's not, probably not going to be league winning, but it's going to be roster stabilizing. You get him, you pair him with somebody who's less safe. You say, say Mondesi falls to like second, you could pair Mondesi and Rendon and say you went pitcher in the first round. Pitcher Mondesi, Rendon, you got yourself a high floor and somebody who offsets Mondesi very well. It's all about roster construction. And I love Anthony Rendon because of that. He just gives you an option to fall back on in the third slide. Oh, kind of, yeah, he's going in like the late third. So, you, I mean, you have to reach on him probably to pair him with Mondesi, but you get my point. I think he's worth that reach. Devers is a great fallback option at his ADP at, because of third base. Again, I prefer – I'm more in on Rendon than I am on Devers, but I'm okay with Devers. Devers is not a bad fallback option considering how third base falls this year. With so many solid players, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a glob. You have Arenado, Bregman, Devers, and Rendon. Four of them I, I kind of feel similarly about. And three of them going essentially back-to-back in Bregman, Devers, and Rendon. So pick your poison there. I'm good with the price. Not somebody I'm like all in on, but somebody that I'll grab a share or two because, again, the price seems to be right. I'm, I'm willing because I think there's a high enough floor there just without the ceiling that uh, – oh, sorry, there's a high enough floor there, but with a higher ceiling than some of those guys in that area. But the, but the floor not being as high as, as some of those guys. So 
again, there's give and take in Devers' profile. The next guy up, now that I've ranted about Devers long enough, <laughs> is Kevin Biggio. And his ADP is 57.31 since January 1st. I expect that to drop because there's so much uncertainty now that they signed Springer. And heck, I mean, you can argue Simeon to a point, but I think Simeon will end up in the back end of that lineup, maybe. Uh, but regardless, Biggio, I think, should stick atop of the lineup. That OBP, the OBP skills are just absurd. We're talking about a guy who at every level since, sorry, every stop since 2017 has walked at least 13.3% of the time. Elite OBP. The problem is, is why are we drafting a guy? Is it the multi-positional eligibility, second, third, and outfield? Because I don't understand why we're drafting Biggio so high, being that he's only a three-category producer. Runs, RBI, sorry, runs, stolen base, and home runs, maybe? Like, RBIs are questionable because if he bats second, I do like his chance for RBIs more because Springer should get on base more. So maybe he's he's a he's a four category producer, I guess, because batting average is so bad for him. Yeah, he hit for 250. I get it, but his XBA was just 215. So regression was coming. He pulls the ball so much. He's pulled the ball 47.2 percent or more each of the last two seasons, and that's because he tries to put the ball in the air. He really he he's a fly ball pull ball guy, and that usually lends itself to a very low Babbitt. And his Babbitt was low in 2020, and will continue to be low. It's just as long as he has that skill set. But you know that skill set's going to bring 20 or so, like about 20, you know, anywhere from 15 to 25 home runs. But I would honestly say 20 to 25 home runs. That just feels very safe, 20 to 25 range. But the stolen bases are really, you know, what we all bank on here. And he's just so efficient on the base paths. He is 20 for 20 as a major leaguer. That is such an awesome little fun stat, 24-20. And you know he's going to get you those 15 to 20 over a full season, 20 to 25 home runs, probably 100 runs if he stays at the top of the lineup close to 80 RBI, so I'll give him four category production. But that batting average is such a drain that outside of OBP leagues, I think the 57, I think going in almost top 50, I think Biggio is just such a risky pick because batting average, to sit here and take such a hit at batting average this early just is really hard for me to, to swallow. It's like, I just can't do it. I can't, I personally cannot do it. And that's what it is because I don't think there's, a, there's an elite skill there in terms of home run production, in terms of stolen base production. That that justifies me wanting to take Biggio at 57.31 overall. So although I, I kind of get it because the between the multi-positional eligibility and the and the stolen bases, I can understand it, but I just it's not for me. I think I can get the stats elsewhere while without ruining my batting average in the process. And again, I could be wrong about him staying at the top of the lineup. So if he drops to the bottom of the lineup. This profile is more of like a compiler profile, that batting leadoff or batting second. He'll get to 20 to 25 home runs, 15 to 20 stolen bases because he'll have more plate appearances, get on base more because of his OBP. But if he drops to the nine spot, a lot of those plate appearances go away. And with that, the on-base percentage doesn't play as well to him in stolen base total because he's not on base as much. Because he, I mean, he'll still get on base a lot, but not as much because batting ninth just offers you way less plate appearances. So Biggio is risky, just very risky to me. And I think his skill set can be done in a different way you could pick different players to address his skill set as you go through the draft without having to take on the the risk of him not even being on top lineup anymore so biggio i'm out on right now at, the, at this current adp but the, but yeah but the other guy coming up here next is another guy that i'm just kind of not sure what to do with. and i think a lot of it is his multi-positional eligibility is max muncie if you bought into max muncie entering 2020 then you should be enjoying the small discount. He is going about 20 picks, I'd say, roughly, because he was like in the 70s when I remember drafting. He was going like the 70s or so. And right now he's at 95.11 in terms of ADP. And again, multi-positional eligible. First base, I believe, first base, third base, second base for Muncie. Yes, it is first, second, and third base eligibility. 
I get it. And right, right around pick 100, totally understand that price, but I'm out. I, I'm just out. Sure, you will get probably close to 240 to 250 in batting average, probably will get 35 home runs, 100 plus RBIs hitting in the middle of that uh, Dodgers lineup. Muncie is that, but I need to build for that. So, okay, maybe I shouldn't say I'm out. It depends on what my team build is. He's a very team build dependent player because he, he did, like, we're talking about the lows. Last year, he hit 192. Yes, the BABIP was just 203. And that's probably a large part of it because that 203 BABIP, although he's not a high BABIP guy by any means, it was still 63 points below his career average BABIP. And if you look at 2018, 2019, he posted 283 or higher BABIPs. So those have been above his career average for the last couple of years. And the XBA expected batting average for Muncie in 2020 was 235. So not great, but still a very, very large production difference. 43 points to be exact. But 235 batting average is not expiring, uh, inspiring. But 35 home runs and 100 RBI is a very, very good addition to your uh, team. Again, it's a lot of team construction. Max Muncie offers you power upside, RBI upside, while not absolutely draining your batting average necessarily, but it's still a hit to the batting average. The runs should also come too, because if he hits in the middle of that lineup, that lineup is pretty loaded. So Max Muncie's runs can be decent. So I, I still think there's there's a, there's a path to three solid categories, of course. Stolen bases and batting average being the two that really take a hit here. But OBP formats, he gains a ton of value. Points leagues, he'll gain some value. Because although he still strikes out a little more than you'd like for points leagues, he still provides uh, solid walk rates. We're talking about a guy who's never walked less than 15% since 2016. My point is OBP leagues, this guy gains a ton of value. Points leagues, he gains some value. Positional eligibility is what keeps him hovering around that uh, just inside the top 100 picks. He's definitely a guy worth considering. Again, going back to your roster construction. He's a guy that power RBIs and runs, go for it. And obviously you can plug and play him, which is which again has value in certain formats, but the batting average can be a drain. Next guy on this list, another COVID guy. And that's why I brought this up. Austin Meadows, ADP of 95.61. Another guy that this is a guy I'm actually in on at the at the discount. I'm gonna give him a second chance. I think he deserves a second chance entering 2021. Meadows not only had to return from COVID, but he also battled with an oblique injury that landed him on the IL. So he only played 36 games, but who knows how much of this time was altered due to injury, lack of time to get right and into a groove, coming back from COVID. COVID does affect people differently. I, I, I know, honestly, quite a few people, more than I'd like to say I know, that had COVID. And some of them had no symptoms. Some of them were terrible. And everyone's like recovered differently. So to expect a pro athlete to perform on the highest level after contracting COVID is not a fair thing to do. And what, the, what else doesn't help is, yes, we saw Freeman do that. I get it. But Freeman is a different breed of man, it seems like, overall, in terms of being a, a different breed of player. Plus, I think there was conflicting reports in terms of how bad it was. I know his wife was really concerned at one point and all that. But regardless, just because Freeman was able to battle back and be not only better than usual, but like MVP caliber, doesn't mean everyone will. We saw Moncada struggle, and Moncada is going to be on a future episode. But uh, Austin Meadows struggled mightily, and I think – a lot of it could be due to the COVID. So Austin Meadows, again, going back to just not getting right, then you throw in the oblique injury. His average launch angle jumped to a career-high 24.4 degrees. This was a 7.7-degree difference from 2019. And with that launch angle change, we saw his pop-up rate increase by nearly 3%. This makes sense because the under percentage followed suit and increased 14.9%. The change in launch angle caused a lot of the issues. And there were some small notable changes in the mechanical 
like in his mechanics and his stance. So I'm not sure if he was pushed. Maybe he was pushing. Maybe he was trying to, you know, make up for just having a rough year, trying to push for, to, for some production. But Meadows, I think, will return to form. He is a former top prospect. He He's shown flashes of being really solid. In 2019, he had a great breakout year. And maybe 2019 was just that, the big breakout year, similar to uh, Devers. But I don't think 2020 is who he is either. You don't just suddenly stop being that good of a player at his age with with no real reason. He showed what he could do. And again, that pred- that, ped- that pedigree was there. Will he platoon? Possibly. But he'll be the strong side of a platoon. And I'm willing to ba- bet on the bounce back at, at his ADP. Again, I always say this, and I'm going to harp on it, but roster construction means everything in these a lot of these picks. Meadows is a guy, a great guy to take a risk, uh, take a shot on if you've built such a solid base of, a, of an offense already at this point. And I really like Austin Meadows because of the fact that he can give you five category production. He should remain atop that lineup. He should, I'm sure he's still going to steal bases. He's going to hit for some power. He's going to provide you all the counting stats. And if he, and if he bounces back fully, he won't be in a platoon. I just don't trust the Rays not to platoon him initially unless he shows out and really has a strong spring, but that's to be determined. And as of right now, I'm willing to take a shot at Austin Meadows bouncing back. The last guy on this list today, Joey Gallo. His ADP is 161.80. He's the 45th outfielder off the board. And he's obviously the by far the one the farthest down the ADP. But I'm I'm out. I'm out on Joey Gallo. He's a three-category producer at best at this point in his career. He's shown to hit, I think he's hit over 210 once. And that was again 2019. And it's just, I don't know what to do with this guy anymore. He just has so much swing and miss in his game. Yes, he hit over 210 just once in his career so far. And that was 253 in 2019 <laughs> and the batting average is such a drag that i'm not even sure the power is worth like the upside and power is worth taking such a drag at batting average when power is one of the easier commodities to fill elsewhere oh he's just it's just tough and it comes with like the thing the thing about this batting average is that it's hard to be optimistic when he's striking out at 35 percent or worse pretty much every year the one encouraging thing though is like his, his plate discipline continues to improve every year in terms of being more selective at the plate. We're talking two straight seasons of the uh, chase rate getting better, but that's, I like, guess it. <laughs> and the swing strike rate, sorry, the swing strike rate as well, as well has a, has improved over the last two seasons. So you're getting less swings and misses at strikes, less chasing, but maybe he's better off being more aggressive. Maybe that'll play better to his skill set because obviously there's still a lot of swing and miss in his game. So if you're not swinging early on and they're taking advantage of it by putting the ball in the, in the strike zone, that puts you behind in the count and then it gives you less to hit because I doubt pitchers are going to pitch to you. And you saw the zone rate go up, actually, which a zone rate is the percentage of pitches seen inside the strike zone. Well, two straight years, I think pitchers have realized that he's not swinging as much. So two straight years, we've seen it increase. And this year, it jumped up to a career high 44.4%. So again, that willingness to be more passive pitchers are just taking advantage of and attacking the zone more it seems and again the skill set isn't something i really care for i can find power I can can he lead the league in home runs absolutely but will he i'd put my money on the field obviously but it's, but i just don't understand like players let's see i'll even do some players i prefer ahead of him he's the 45th outfielder off the board players going behind them victor robles i'll take a shot on the slow bases over gallo and him building you know he's he built he changed up his body last year I, I, I like him for a bounce back a little bit nick solak i've voiced multiple times how in on nick solak i am over joey gallo uh, not over joey gallo but i'm saying i'd rather have nick solak over joey gallo especially because he plays second base too um trey mancini 
that's people aren't gonna like you know people are super cautious with Trey Mancini due to the coming back from cancer and all that. But all indications suggest he's full go for spring training. A healthy Mancini, I will take a shot on even with a year off over Joey Gallo. Max Kepler, now that gets more interesting because I think Kepler's batting average floor is similar with the ceiling being obviously higher at this point. But I, I that's where it gets interesting for me. So maybe not him, but I like Clint Frazier more, Kyle Schwarber more. Just even idea. These are all players going after him that I'd rather have over Joey Gallo personally. But I understand the Gallo love because there's always going to be Gallo by uh, believers. And that you got to do you. This is a preference at this point because it's kind of a god. Outfield is similar to pitching. You have a very top tier. You have these secondary options. And then there's this huge glob of talent that it's need-based. It's who you like a little more and why. If you can, you can justify it pretty much any which way. Gallo falls into that big glob. But for me, his skill set, I'm just completely out on. Even OBP leagues, he strikes out too much. And the OBP doesn't get a chance to play up because he doesn't get on base as much because he strikes out so much. We're talking about a guy with a career OBP of... Got to scroll back up. A career OBP of 327. Like, he's better in OBP leagues because that's, like, roughly league average. But that's also a lot largely probably due to 2019's 389 OBP because prior to 2019's OBP of 389, Joey Gallo's never had an OBP above 333 in a season. So even expecting 312-ish, like, that he put up in 2018, that's fair. 333. And, again, the 389 makes sense because we saw the change in approach. So maybe he is a better OBP guy, but it's just you have a hard time banking on the OBP because he doesn't get on base via the hit tool because of all the swing and miss and the strikeouts. So there's give and take there. OBP leagues, he obviously gains value because it's it's not a complete zero at OBP. He's just not elite there given the other issue. So that's that does it. That's 10 players, I believe, I covered today. Again, mostly in the top 100. But, again, this is just part one. We have 40-something names that you guys uh, gave us to look at. So appreciate that. Always appreciate the feedback on Twitter. Again, you can follow me on Twitter for at Mike underscore Curlin. Feel free to throw these questions at me. Throw some players at me. We can add them to the list. This is going to be an ongoing thing because we're just trying to help. I mean, it's tough. 2020 is tough. It's tough to gauge 2020s, like how much you should value it, which players it means more and less for. It's pretty subjective overall. But we are going to do our best to get you through all that and ourselves in the process. And we just appreciate listening on your way out. Uh, leave a five-star rating or review. We greatly appreciate it. But other than that, appreciate you listening as always. And we will talk to you soon.